What is going on, everybody? Welcome to Recover Out Loud, episode number 57. Today, we got a really awesome guest. Super excited. I woke you up, didn't I? <laughs> You're awake now. <laughs> Today, we got a pretty awesome guest, good friend of mine. Her name is Claire Oatway. How are you doing, Claire? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you? Ah, I'm good. I'm good. I was just looking at that picture at, at you know, the video. It's, it's relatively new. And I was like, that second picture, I look like a baby. <laughs> no facial hair i look like a baby Aww. yeah right pinch my cheeks feed me food <laughs> oh it'll be in heaven then <laughs> <laughs> right right feed me tiramisu i'll be fine <sighs> right right but anyways uh claire is all the way across the pond uh in england in plymouth the original the OG, OG Plymouth, not Plymouth Rock and not the Plymouth the car, but Plymouth Eagle. <laughs> yeah, so, home of the gin. Yeah, yep. so how would you like to give a formal introduction of yourself, Miss Claire? Yeah, sure. So, um, so I'm Claire Oatway, and uh, I do a lot of stuff, but kind of generally a lot of my professional stuff is around leadership, mentoring and coaching and helping businesses to grow, helping them get their head around technology. Um, but as a kind of side hustle, I've been running a podcast for the last six months now called Exponential Potential, and we've been going everywhere with it. And that's how that's how we Got on is how we met right so yeah. yeah 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 that's how that's how claire and i met i was a guest on her show and she said for the first time ever i'm speechless on my own show and i was like hmm <laughs> i do that sometimes <laughs> but anyways i think that was like one of the first episodes that i like that i've appeared on somebody else's and i'm like i enjoy what i listen to from my own from my own stuff I can't stand the sound of my own voice. I don't know. <laughs> You're in the wrong business. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I know. That's why I don't really listen to what I do, right? I kind of blur out when I'm talking and I hear what other people are saying. It's like, blow those kisses out to the world. Here you go. Have some of this. <laughs> okay, so when, when I hear my own voice, you, you remember Charlie Brown, the teacher, the womp, 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 womp. <laughs> That's what I hear. That's exactly how it went. Um, yeah, but I, so, so Claire, uh, you have an interesting story before we jump into any of the heavier stuff. You have an interesting story about you and your husband. Where did you guys get married? Ah, uh, so we, we got married in a little place called Malchesney on Lake Garda, uh, in Italy. Uh, and oh crikey it's about 20 years ago we we got married by the deputy mayor of the village called giuseppe serpoloni and you know you look at the pictures and you know it's a 13th century castle it's like white rock with the mountains in the background and the lake there which is gorgeous um but the whole ceremony was in italian right so i'm still not sure what i signed up to <laughs> Um, but it was a really tiny ceremony. My our folks came over. My my brothers were over. My husband's brothers were over, and um, and on the way, my mum ate ice cream on the way to the wedding breakfast in between the ceremony. Uh, she then 
Ah, oh, okay. This is really bad. So my my husband's mum married Dave, who's my husband's dad, and they got divorced, and then she married another Dave. And so we're, we're kind of at this massive family, you know, celebration, and the waiter's like, oh, Dave, Dave. So really confused, it's like, Dave, Dave, what's going on here? Uh, and so she's blushing away. And then, um, you know, this, the wine flows because it's in Italy, right? And then the limoncello comes out. So that comes out and yeah. warm glasses. And then my husband challenges my mum to a drinking competition, except he does the pouring of the cups and she can't see. So bless her, she's like... <laughs> She's a trooper. A yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I saw my mother-in-law's true colours because later that day she actually took a shot of my my poor mum crashed out on a line somewhere. It's like, oh no. That's <laughs> so, awesome. so I've got to keep her sweet, otherwise I think she'll put that out on the internet. <laughs> Dave one and Dave two. Dave one and Dave two. You know, I, there's a similar situation I've run into. My girlfriend, her, her, uh, her, her dad married a Jen. They got yep. divorced, which is her mom, and then he ended up dating another Jen, which uh, just so happened to be her best friend. And then they got married and had a had a kid. So yeah, we we call her Jen and one and Jen two. <laughs> it's just weird, isn't it? Life's just weird. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's absolutely insane, insane. Um, uh, but you know, you, you you told me that story, and and I you told me that story because I myself have been to Lake Garden, and it's absolutely beautiful, stunning. And uh, you didn't have a translator saying, "Hey, they're telling you to say yes." <laughs> it's great. See, well, we had a translator who helped us do all the last minute stuff, and um. She was like, ah, you know, it's just very emotional. So, because you know, in Italy, you talk with your hands. Well, that's yeah. a terrible stereotype, but there's a lot but of hand true. waving. <laughs> so she's like, it's really sad. It's really sad. But if you want to cry, just uh, just think of your cat having a pee in your suitcase. It's <laughs> just okay. So yeah, here's I a tip like... for anybody in life: if you want to cry, think about your cat peeing in your suitcase, and you'll be fine. Wow. I never thought about that. Just okay. dishing out the wisdom. <laughs> dishing out the wisdom. Wow. Okay. I always, I always thought about like you know, if I ever get nervous, think of everybody in their underwear. But that's a good one. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't imagine that because it's just weird. Uh, but, but you know, the, Ita the Italians have got some gorgeous uh, wedding vows. So you, you promise to stay faithful to each other. Uh, you promise to live in the same house, and you also promise that uh, you'll, no matter what, you'll both contribute to the family in whatever way. So if it's you know taking care of the house, taking care of the kids, or bringing in the money, but it's like there's this real sense of togetherness. You're working for the family, working together, and not a I honor you, I obey you, I'm your property. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's, it's actually quite sweet, and that's that's how it should be. That's yeah. that you know every relationship it should be that way. It should be you know you're working together to create a better home, not hey, you're mine because you signed a contract. 
<laughs> because your folks handed over enough chattels. <laughs> right, right. You've got, yeah. I've, I've got 10, 10 goats and five cows, says that my daughter married you. Yeah. Yeah, that's not how that works. Uh, no, no, so, so yeah, so that's, we, we, we talked loads about Italy, didn't we? It's just, yeah. it's just such a gorgeous place. We keep yeah. going back. It's, uh, it's like a second home in a way. Yeah, if if you know if I could go back and visit, I would. Um, yeah. Not for the alcohol or any of that, but you know, just to the go back and see the, <sighs> to see the sights, see the sights that I didn't get to see when I was drunk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know sometimes people say that it's better when you're drinking because you you discover new things that you never thought you would have seen before. Um, but you can still do that. Well, I can do that sober. I have a wicked crazy mind and I'm like, oh, that looks awesome. And it's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh, piece of candy. Oh, that looks cool too. <laughs> yeah. But we're not here for me. We're here for you. And so Claire, you, you, you dealt with a bit of burnout. What was, what was it like leading up to that, that, that phase of burnout for you? So this was back in 2020. And um, and to kind of give you a bit of a sense of who I am, uh, I don't come from a, a great neighbourhood, but I got spotted in primary school and then sent to a high school, like an all-girls school, like state-funded. And, and so I've always been like the bright kid and um, went to uni, did a law degree, kind of got a job, got promoted, got promoted. Yeah, did really, really well. Um, but for me, I always felt that I could handle lots of stress. It's like, oh, rise to the challenge, say yes, work it out later, keep going, keep going, keep going. And um, and there'd been like a lot of pressure over a number of years, and I the the I put it like a stress dial in a way. And every time something new would come up, just work it away, but not necessarily let the stress go down keep going keep going and in 2020 I remember going into the office and it was like a fuse had gone off in my head and it was like I can't I can't be here and I left the building so I need some time out left the building went home, sobbed for weeks. And I just look back now and, you know, even though to the outside world, I was a high achiever, still nailing it, handling the stress, the one that kind of, you take the problems to, sorts it all out, makes it all go. Um, but I was an empty husk on the settee for, for weeks, then months really getting better. It was, it was, it was quite, it's really difficult um, for some time. And, yeah, it was, it, what was what was tough about it was I look back and I I now see that it was like a slow motion car crash, that it was inevitable. Well, I don't know if it was inevitable, but you could see how it was unravelling and unravelling and then just the amount of damage that was caused in the aftermath is, yeah, it's just really huge. What were some of the stressors that were just building up over time for you? 
Um, so we've been honest about uh, our family situations. And so um, we adopted a boy at two and a half. And as he was growing, kind of really wanted to help him to understand adoption and his emotions. It's always been really deep in his emotions. And so we got some family help, some family therapy. And the therapist said, right, well, in order to unlock this for your boy, we need to treat you guys first. So let's start treating you. Okay. So you've been through the fertility process or infertility process. How mm -hmm. was that? Oh, that was stressful. Oh, um, you've been through the adoption process and being weighed and measured for years. How was that? Oh, it was stressful. Oh, you're in a very stressful line of work. <laughs> oh, you've got an emotional abuser ex-boyfriend as well. <laughs> and so kind of yeah, just picking up all of the things that have been tucked away and buried deep down inside. And uh, that felt like my legs had been taken underneath me because I was left in a really raw and vulnerable place. And, you know, as well as being in a really busy, stressful job, right? And and if you looked from the outside in, you know, I'd, I'd gone into this business, uh, it was a GP practice. So it was a merger of practices, we'd grown, we'd made some changes, we'd attracted national attention. So I was talking nationally and internationally about healthcare um, and technology and, you know, to the outside world, it's like, oh, absolutely crushing it, growing the business, everything else like that. But it was taking a physical toll. It was, you know, it was a really demanding job. Um, some conflicts within the business that were a bit unresolved, but were coming through and kind of starting to come through. So where I've been that high achiever and everyone's got an inner critic, right? My, my inner critic had turned into an inner bully. So people didn't need to actually say stuff out loud because I'd fill in the gaps for them and then make it 10 times worse. Um, I'd never feel like I was achieving, uh, kind of, you know, I don't have the emotional resilience anymore. And then, um, I'd heard that it was another practice manager in the country who'd actually committed suicide and I didn't know her. I just knew of her through the, the Facebook group. I was like, this, this job's going to kill you if it doesn't give you a heart attack, if you don't get cancer, kind of, you know, I, I wasn't lost in that way, but you know, I was driving around at 85, rushing from here to there, not paying attention on the phone in my car. So it's just, you know, so yeah, I actually risk some different risky behaviors. And um, it was just, it was just, uh, no, I can't, I can't do this. I can't, just cannot carry on. Yeah. Um, yeah that's rough yeah yeah and you know people around me the the gp partners are like well yeah everything seems okay and bear in mind these are like gps <laughs> it's like yeah. 30 gps that i'd see um but what i'd do would be i'd take problems away go to the office deal with them always ask people how they were um not really engage in conversations about how i was just like no it's all fine work it out so fine of course covid had hit as well <laughs> yeah. and um it was just in those first days it was so 
chaotic. People didn't have a clue what to do. And, um, you know, we were struggling to work out what was going on. And, and I felt really isolated, even yeah. those 200 people who I managed um, just felt lonely, responsible, lost. I was like, no, I don't need to be here right yeah. now. I think that's the best thing that you could have done is take that and say, I, c I can't do this right now. And I, well, mm, um, so I, I became a partner, uh, a non-clinical partner. Uh, see, it's, it's just like, you're not clinical. You're non-clinical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 You've got an MBA. Yeah. You've got 20 years of leadership experience. Yeah. You got that, but you're non-clinical. Anyway, it's another story. Um, but I, I take those responsibilities really to heart and, you know, in terms of registration and regulation was a named person. So, you know, felt responsible for making sure that everybody was, was safe and, knew what was going on and also in terms of your legal responsibilities as a director in the company if anything goes on you're you're culpable but not everybody has the same attitude when they rock up to work um and i think for me i just felt like i was i was not the only one but it just just crazy stuff yeah. and i just felt i couldn't i couldn't take the responsibility for everybody else on my shoulders anymore. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, I can, I can imagine how that feels, you know, and, and you, you said something earlier that, uh, where, where you said, you know, nobody could tell me anything that I wasn't already thinking about myself. And yeah. I'm not going to dive into those thoughts because those are very intrusive thoughts, very personal thoughts, and also very, um, very harsh thoughts. I've been there. I've, I've done that too. I've been, you know, I've said some of those things that I really don't believe I should have said to myself or about myself. Um, so, you know, we, you, you start, you, you say that, Hey, I can't do this. And you, you, you go home. What happens after that? I think everybody was, um, pretty much in, in shock around me so uh, I remember a conversation I'd had uh, with with my husband and um, he'd he'd said something along the lines of oh suck it up everybody hates their job and that was like the the last story I was like no I, I don't I don't have to and actually kind of the missing piece for me is is your permission for me to not have to suck it up to not have to be the one anymore um and he'd given that and that was the right that's it i'm <laughs> calling in sick um so getting the breathing space from the gp just for two weeks and plymouth even though there's like a quarter of a million people here it's it's like a village and because i'd worked with another family doctor kind of my family doctor understood the stresses that I was under and all of the work among, among the, the practices. And so he'd actually said, I'm not going to sign you off for two weeks because um, two weeks isn't going to touch it. Four weeks you're off for. 
go home because <laughs> you're not you're not not that you're not safe but kind of when you're in that position of responsibility you know, you need to be making safe decisions for everybody else that's around you and and he could see that I just not just hadn't taken care of myself or my well-being at all um so so we had the, t the time out um luckily my husband and I had a few days away uh together because the boy was on a school residential so we managed to just be together in you know this little cottage in the cliffs in nature and I look back at the photos and you know, I look like I'm 60 <laughs> just, just nothing to me just bags under my eyes feeling really knackered um but that space was just really gorgeous and then um over time you know some counseling that had been provided by the the practice um but also for me what was really shifting was spending time back with myself um so this room that we're in uh actually it was really cathartic I live in like a 1920s you know Victorian house so it, it's cold it's damp it's you know it's got holes in the walls it's you know it needs a lot of love and in this room um kind of the the plaster had blown in a few places so just spending time stripping back the plaster by hand back 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 filling it painting the room painting the shelving um and i i had i had oprah winfrey on repeat on like youtube and you know i've always found her really you know she's always quite spiritual but quite positive and and quite uplifting but she had some great guests and so you know over the weeks um well, it wasn't like weeks it was more like kind of a week 10 days it was like a personal ashram <laughs> with Oprah <laughs> yeah <laughs> well I'm like standing down I got this calm space um but it really uh, that's when I started exploring spirituality and I as a teenager I'd always been you know I'd always been like a crystal girl or you know interested in in the supernatural interested in spirituality interested in the concepts of like Reiki and 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 kind of over that summer I started to explore that even further um and it was and some some really really helpful little exercises that brought me out that encouraged me to um connect back into myself rather than connect everywhere else uh yeah and and just in, incredible so if I if I give you an example um I started to explore Reiki which is a concept of of energy and 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 sharing love and there's there's I had a I don't know why but I had like a, a childhood photo of myself um and kind of like one of the one of the exercises have been you know look at look at that child look at how gorgeous and fun loving and you know reconnect to that that person because that person is is you essentially mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm kind of looking at that that photo and you know, just really 
sending her sending her healing sending her love and just feeling deeply moved just like okay it's like I see you I'm here for you you're here for me we're together and making some of those connections just incredible and then another one um when you talk about that inner that inner critic and this was this was a tough one and it's one that I um don't always share with people that I work with but it's so powerful which is to yeah when no one else is in the house look look in the mirror look into your eyes in the mirror Look into your eyes as if you're looking into the eyes of a new love or a new child and just, you know, just explore, just make that connection back in the mirror. And it's, it's tough at first. It's really tough because, yeah, it's like you, you look at the crow's feet or you look at the <laughs> grey hair or you look at all these bits and bobs. But actually, when you get over all that bullshit, you kind of go, ah, it's it's you it's it's you and you start to you start to kind of have that empathy for yourself and you remember that you're there when you've been rushing around getting everything else done for everybody else and have nothing left for yourself so yeah yeah. i can i can definitely understand that you know and and this all happened in the right at the beginning of covid too yeah so that had to be that, that had to be a little bit extra tough too, because, you know, you're going from a way of life where things are just normal, right? Just as abnormal as they were, that was normal. And then we get shifted into this new normal of you can't be within six feet of people, you know, uh, you can't leave your house. If you're leaving your house, you got to wear a mask, right? You can't gather in, in a certain amount of group of people and it's just, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure you worked through the pandemic, you know, with, with people, but like that became the new normal. And I'm pretty sure that was really hard. Well, it meant that, um, it meant I wasn't able to see people. They weren't able to come. I wasn't able to hug people. Even my, my parents and my, you know, my dad's in his seventies now. And Yeah. yeah, they were, they were scared. And then, um, and then the schools closed. Right. Yeah. So I'm just starting to have a little bit of peace and then my boy's home and then he doesn't want to do any homework. And then, then, you know, like many families just like that for, um, and my, my husband's office just up the the road, half a mile away. So he'd be kind of going to work every day. <laughs> and yeah, it's in this melting pot at home. And and luckily, because at one point, um, luckily the school reached out because he's adopted. So they said, you know, he's he's allowed to come back into school to give him a sense of normal. Yeah. You know, it's as much about him as it is about you guys. Do you want it? And he jumped at the chance and yeah, actually that was that was pretty amazing but it was you know it was such a a weird a weird time but in a way because I was cocooned I could almost observe it and see the mass 
almost collective grief that was going on around the world where people were just being pushed from one identity to another identity and kind of you could you could feel that sense of loss coming through in like anger frustration fear it was you know it was there almost like if you have a situation where you're you're shifted from here to here you go through it at an individual level you know, kind of the change curve but for the whole world to go through it at the same time and at different paces so in a way the timing sucked but the timing was perfect because i didn't have to i didn't have to take care of 200 people and their families or even the 42,000 people that were on the books that needed our care you know yeah yeah it was just boom yeah and you know i i know for me it was i i grew accustomed to being okay not being around people because i secretly didn't like people at that time in my life um so I, I became okay with being alone and that kind of like ushered in the feeling of like i don't need to be around people to be all right and and, and that's okay but you know for for a job like you where you have to be around people that i can imagine like how how stressful that can be but then how relieving that can be because you're like not so many voices <laughs> i can think. not so many dramas <laughs> yeah not so much trauma i'm just i'm here with myself being present yeah so yeah. so when when you when you dived in when you got to that point and you dived into your spirituality what what was it initially like for you when you when you got to that point where you said i want to explore these things Um, so that's, that is a really good question. Really good. So, so what it was like was it felt like, so with Reiki, right? With mm -hmm. Reiki, the idea is that kind of you, everybody has this universal energy flowing through them that helps to heal your your body and helps that to to grow um and i joined mind valley yeah as a global brand now and started to learn some of those concepts um which which was so helpful because i'd come to realize that you don't have to go through pain to heal and so where the therapist had brought things through I'd been left really raw and really vulnerable. And I'm not, you know, not angry about that now, but it's just like, I, I was, um, but you, you feel like you're stuck with salt in a wound that's, that's there. Whereas, um, some of the elements of spirituality, some of the elements of energy work are not necessarily exploring these things in detail but acknowledging them, sending love and letting them go. And then finding, you know, finding all of the gifts that are around us, like in the garden or in the local park 
or you know where I live near the beach and and you know, I've always felt quite calm by the sea but you, know, you, you realize that that's all around and I'd I just become really disconnected from that I get up get to school get to work always work late sometimes work 14 hour days uh, and get home without much of a break and just like, oh, <laughs> having taken on everyone else's crap um and so it was it felt like coming back to myself and also coming back to a connection that's always been there and always supported me and I, I, I think I'd said when I was a teenager this was an area that you know been really interested in and there was a guy I used to you're saying about adventures that you have when you're drunk I'm always somebody who has adventures because I chat to people <laughs> so <laughs> I used to hang out with bikers and kind of like go camping uh randomly or you know meet hippies on the bus to different places and there's a particular hippie that I met and he'd always he'd said you know look look for the weeds that grow up in the cracks of the pavements because those little weeds are telling you that the world is big the world is there the world is love you and the world will nature will find a way of of breaking through no matter what and and kind of when you have that balance and and when you also think about um time in a different through a different lens so yeah this things feel really raw right now but when you expand that expand that to are we going to look at this in the year when we look back was this moment going to be a moment that defines our year if you look at it over a lifetime if you look at it much longer it's just a tiny 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 speck and it'll pass because it does and and that brought so much peace has brought so much peace yeah and, and then since then as well as the spirituality i've been exploring a lot around uh, a lot deeper coaching techniques um understanding saboteurs understanding you know kind of stories that you can you can bring to the table that really help people to to connect to their their instinct, their intuition to understand their resilience, to take care of themselves as well, even when they're taking care of everybody else. Yeah. It's not for everybody, but. <laughs> sounds a lot like, you know, that connection you were talking about sounds a lot like being present in the moment and being mindful, right? Uh, I, before I, I, I went on this journey and I, I've, I've changed it from being, you know, this, this life journey or this what, this journey, because that's what it is. It's a journey. It's yeah. a, it's, it's, it's like the odyssey. Okay. <laughs> um, I didn't understand the concept of being present and being mindful. And then when I, when I experienced it for the first time, that, that mindfulness and that, that pre being present, Oh my God. I have never felt anything like that before and haven't felt anything that great sense. Right. Cause it's weird. Like I can, I can feel the, the a sound impact my body and I can feel, yeah. you know, just everything that is meant to happen in this universe happening and, and, you know, energy's flowing through you and, and transferring out. And it's just an amazing feeling for anybody listening and you haven't felt that shit. It's the best feeling in the world. 
I'm pretty sure you can agree. I, <laughs> yeah. But you see, um, so there's there's a particular book I'd recommend to you called, um, it's called Positive Intelligence, and it's from a guy called Shizad Chamin. And he did a factor analysis of neuroscience, uh, cognitive psychology, positive psychology, and success coaching. And they distilled that down and they said, look, you know, there's three core concepts. Uh-huh. One is that we all have different saboteurs. So we all have different inner voices. Um, I'm, and kind of is a really good, it's a really good tool. If you, if you look at PQ saboteurs through Google or whatever search uh-huh. engine you use, you'll find it. Um, but my saboteurs, for example, I'm, I'm high achiever, which means, yeah, and I am Claire Oatway, uh, BA Laurens, MBA, Fellow of the Institute of Leadership and Management, uh, Fellow of the Royal Society of Arts, and member of the Institute of Directors. So I'm really good at collecting acronyms. Yeah. <laughs> but the secret is, I'm not so good at going, yeah, well done, well done. So the only way I find it is by pushing, 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 pushing. I'm also a controller, which is freaking awesome if you want to get stuff done because I'll always get stuff done um and I'll always you know when you have like a group of adults and uh-huh. nobody leads nobody makes a decision I can't stand it so I'll always push people along <laughs> and we'll, we'll have a hell of a time um and I'm also restless which means I'm sweet shiny object shiny object shiny object. Uh-huh. and they're, they're strengths that have just gone rogue they've gone a bit too far but they kind of put a ceiling on how happy and successful you can be. You can be super successful with them, but not necessarily happy and successful. So you have these saboteurs. You have these sage behaviors, which are around empathy and action and curiosity. And these are really healthy behaviors too. And then you have what he calls PQ reps. And these PQ reps are... 10 20 seconds of mindfulness that you put in throughout your day that have such an impact on how you're thinking so let me go back to the saboteurs a second the saboteurs come about because um, of your neural pathways and so these are strengths and they get faster because they learn how to keep you safe they learn how to kind of activate rewards so you keep doing them and they must become automatic decisions because it's just how you go. You get everything gets done around you and and so on. And so over time, they become thicker and thicker pathways because they don't get disrupted. But one of the things that the PQ reps do is that they start to stop them and then you can choose which way you go. And they, they may go the same way as your, you know, as the controller, wants you to go but it's where you want to go and that's being able to intercept at that point is a total game changer so do you want to play a game around mindfulness sure sure okay right so the best way to disrupt those those neural pathways (laughs) is through sensory hacks yeah so there's three of my favorite ones i'm going to take off my watch because it's easiest my, one of my favorite ones is you take the fingertips from one hand mm-hmm. and you lightly 
stroke down the fingertips and palm of your other hand really, really slowly, but pay enough attention to be able to feel the ridges and sensations on both fingertips. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You yeah. got it? Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh, okay. I'm here. Tickled. Yeah. <laughs> the other one is another one. Um is using your your sight. Mm -hmm. So if you're having a heated discussion with somebody, have a look at their eyebrow. Mm -hmm. And notice the color of their eyebrow hairs, the thickness, the curliness. <laughs> <laughs> Anything about them. Just just focus in on there for 10 seconds mm -hmm. and then come back to the conversation. The other person you know, you've, you've kept eye contact with them, so they don't necessarily know that you've zoned out. Yeah. But actually, you calm the fuck down. Yeah. You're, all right. What are you trying to say? Okay, here. Another one is um, around hearing. And this is one that, you know, you've, you've mentioned around the sensation of feeling sound. But if you just, um, if you just pause and then tune in to the furthest away sounds you can hear. So right now there's a car that's just gone past my window. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Tune in to the closest sounds you can hear. Mm -hmm. And because I've got these on, I can hear my heartbeat in my ear. <laughs> that's awesome. And it's just like, whoa. And then, yeah, let's listen to your breathing. And dude, you're in charge of your brain now. Congratulations. That's, that's <laughs> awesome. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna have to practice those. Like, no joke. Uh, they're really good. They're really I good. used to, you, you were talking about the hand sensory thing, and I used to take my hands and you go like mm -hmm. lightly tap them like this. And it felt like, like if you do that long enough, like lightly do that, it feels like there's a piece of plexiglass in between them. Ah, no, you know, see, like that's a, a reiki move. Yeah, yeah, you just um, you can stretch that to be a, a ball, almost like a mm -hmm. beach ball. Yeah, and just push it and push it and push it yeah. and make it really strong. And then, um, so that's that's level one Reiki. Uh, then you can send that wherever you want. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I'm going to send it out to everybody in the audience. <laughs> yeah, you can have it. I used to do that yeah. when I was. When I would meditate, I, I didn't understand the concept, like what it was, but before I met with somebody that actually does like specialize in meditation, my palms would get on fire, literally just right uh, here. And I was like, what is happening? But like, I could feel like this heat transference between my hands and like the ball would get that big. And I was like, this is crazy. And I like go like this at somebody and they'd start to sweat. And I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? Am I a sorcerer? I've got magic, right? Yeah, but it is hang on. Well, it is. It's the chi. And actually, it's the chi, which is the source. So you technically are a sorcerer. Because <laughs> you sorcerer. are commanding source. <laughs> I am a I am a I knew it. I knew it, Claire. We gotta come up with a brilliant name for me. Uh but we can come at that at a later time. Okay. So you get to this point where you start doing the self-discovery and, and you start stepping into Reiki and some more spiritual things. Um, 
what did you learn about that situation with your burnout that that was new to you but now you look back and you're like i see the the tape unraveling what were, what were some of those things um so some of the things are actually around the bullshit rules that we're born into um and so and so in a way you know i i grew up in a in a family where my mum worked several jobs so you worked really hard <laughs> yeah kind of they worked my mum and dad worked shift work and different times and you know i take care of my brothers so i'd always grown up to know that you know you had to work hard to earn money you had to work hard you had to please boss to go far and and so one of the things that i learned is that some of those rules don't necessarily serve you they don't necessarily help you to thrive help you to be the best person you could be they're like somebody else's rules um and particularly in corporate environments yeah kind of some of the ways that cultures put together um and some of the power dynamics do lead to people suffering yeah. and and do lead to people really pushing themselves and and i think in a way that's why the timing was was spot on because i think there are so many people who have seen covid and looked around them and gone well not quite is that all it is it's like mm. oh my god <laughs> have i been asleep have i been sleepwalking in this in this life Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think there's a lot of people that took that chance to say, I mean, well, maybe there's different terms I can live my life by. So definitely around you know, the fact that often the rules have been driving who you are and how you show up, and that you have the power to choose different rules or to mm-hmm. to seek different rules. Um, at the time, I'd I'd. Yeah, I've been reading loads of different books and, and one of them was like around money blocks and getting over those and said, oh, yeah, I've even done a past life regression. Well, fine. <laughs> I'll give that a go. <laughs> so so I gave it a go. I found a hypnotist in, in Edinburgh um, on on the phone and, and, and tried it. And he took me back to, it's going to sound really freaky for a lot of your guests or a lot of your listeners, but he took me back to a life called um, Jim who's in the US hmm. and uh, one of, you know, kind of this past life of Jim who'd done really well, who'd brought up his family, who was working in like a high rise. Um, and he had a heart attack at his desk and died. And, you know, whether it, whether that's real or whether that's my subconscious being in a place where it can describe its fears I just felt so scared and was sobbing and it was just like, that's what it is. Fuck. Oh, yeah. Boom. Um, and so there's, there's been something in it around as well for me, which is like, let play with different concepts. If they don't make sense, just, just play with them and see how they fit because you will learn something about yourself and about the world that you're in. Yeah, that's that's probably one of the other aspects. Um, I think one thing too is around the importance of honesty in the relationships that you're in. 
and sometimes you want to be the good daughter or good wife or good mum but it means that you're not always open and honest about how you're suffering or asking for help and I'd even though I was always good at helping other people I didn't ask for help I didn't want anybody to see that I needed help that I was struggling with my mental health so I kind of kept them all at bay which meant that I was more and more isolated um and so now I try to have those conversations earlier. Don't always succeed. <laughs> We're but, not all perfect. No. Hallelujah. Because <laughs> <laughs> that'd be boring and too safe, to yeah. be honest. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. I think I know that hypnotist. You, I, I, I may know that hypnotist <laughs> that you're talking about. No way. That's I, really cool. I know I know a few over in the UK, so it might be one. It might be somebody you 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 know, somebody you don't. I don't know. Hey. Offline, we're gonna have to talk about that. But uh, those are some really good realizations, right? That those those rules and the uh, that that people have made up for us in the past, we don't really have to abide by, right? Because they don't fit our guideline, and it's not like rules versus laws but it's it's more along the rules that humans have created like like the the role like the law of yeah. role like like you have to go to you know you, you graduate high school or primary school and you 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 go to college you go to university and then you get a good paying job or you get a low paying job and then work your way up to the high paying job who says you have to do that yeah. that's what society has told us I think that's bullshit. I I think it is. Well, and it's and it's sometimes rules that have been in place for 200, 300 years. Yeah. And yeah, there's 8 billion people on this planet. There's kind of every different combination of personality and lifestyle and yeah, we we get to to choose that and when you let go of the judgment of yourself and other people of their rules it's like yes you do you what do you mean it's all cool you know absolutely it's fine yep. absolutely it's so freeing <laughs> i agree i agree so claire before we go what advice or suggestions would you give to people that are facing burnout or they're currently in their burnout phase what would you give to them so the the first thing is the first thing is it's definitely not your fault everything you're facing right now is not your fault you're taking it on your shoulders you don't need to and it's also not as big as you think it is that's hard to hear it's really hard to hear but everything is cranked up because you're so sensitive at the moment. Get some rest and write. The, the best therapy you can 
give yourself right now and i'm not a therapist <laughs> i shouldn't say that but the best thing you can do is write because what that does is it helps all of those thoughts to come out and when they come out they're not spinning around in your head they're not in your head at three o'clock in the morning and you can choose whether or not they're true but just get them out if you can speak to people around you they love you and they want to help you so let them help you and you know if you need if you need more medical help then don't be afraid of that and get you out of your suffering sooner some good some good suggestions and advice spoken like somebody who's been through it that's pretty awesome that's pretty awesome. Well, Claire, where can we find the podcast Exponential Potential? Oh, no. She might have frozen up. Anyways, Claire is the host or co-host of Exponential Potential on YouTube and on Spotify. And you can find all her episodes under Exponential Potential um, on YouTube and Spotify. The links will be in the description down below. Um, and uh, Claire's a good friend of mine, super awesome lady, really, really inspirational. So yeah, looks like we just lost her guys. So anyways, uh, till next time, uh, we will see you later. And I hope that you guys have a very good day and uh, much love. Hey.